So, oh, we can just start now. Oh, incredible. All right. Everybody feel good? Yes. Okay. Feeling better than me? <laughs> on the back of this toilet seat? Kidding. Okay. All right. I'll get it together and stop being the uh, class clown. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Generation the Podcast, the audio companion to the HBO Max original series, Generation. I'm Wembley Sewell, editor-in-chief of Them. And I am Gigi Good, just a simple drag queen trying to make it in the big city. Today, we are talking to Zelda Barnes, co-creator of Generation, Haley Sanchez, who stars as Greta, and series writer Christina Nieves. So before we get into the conversations, why don't we start by talking about the episode? Wembley, go ahead, give us the rundown, tell us what happened. Well, this is going to be difficult because the episode is indeed titled Built for Pleasure, but... I think it was built for my own personal social anxieties. Yes, I felt that for <laughs> because you. Because everyone is meddling with everyone else's love life in certain ways. Obviously, Nathan and Chester have their whole thing going on. But at the mm-hmm. same time, Nathan also goes to great lengths to make sure that Chester is back on track with with Bo. And the date was actually really sweet, I think. But again, just the ways in which everyone is beginning to go off on these little escapades romantically really had me sweating. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I I will be definitely uh, sweating bullets throughout this conversation as we (laughs) as we get into just what in the world everyone is doing with their their hearts during this episode. Gigi, what did you think? Well, I definitely, while I was watching this episode, felt the sweat dripping off of your face from New York. And I, <laughs> I, I, there were so many moments that I definitely felt the same way. Um, but on the other hand, they, there were definitely some breakthroughs that were had. And there were mm. definitely some, some good heartfelt moments as well to kind of balance out those uh, very uncomfortable ones. But, you know, there's a lot of details we need to get into. So we, we should go ahead and get started. And with that, I want to say hello to Zelda, who's joining us once again. Hi. And also, hey to Christina. What's shaking bacon? Hey, hey. Great to be here. Last but not least, we are welcoming back Haley Sanchez, who stars as Greta. Hello. <laughs> so excited to have you here once again. It has, it's, it's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've had you on the show. And um, since that long, long minute, there's been a lot of growth in your character. I believe it was mm-hmm. the episode where you had your very stressful failed hookup with Riley at the, the school trip. And now here we are in episode 10. Everything from that night is literally coming full circle, like in this episode. Um, So, so excited to have you here. Greta and Riley seem to be considering giving their crushes on each other a second chance, which is uh, very exciting for me. And I know it's very exciting for you, Wembley. Um, Personally, absolutely. And Greta's (laughs) Greta's shocking encounter with Luz was also something that was a little bit unexpected. So talk to us a little bit about what has been happening for your character, Greta. I feel like she's she's kind of given herself this environment and she's allowed herself to be in this environment around people who she feels really comfortable with. So there's a lot more growth happening a lot more rapidly. And she's kind of like allowing herself to 
find out these things, kind of like picking away at the crumbs of who she is to kind of like look inside of herself and kind of figure it out. You know, it's been a really hard and somewhat painful process for her to really just mm-hmm. kind of like zero in on like who she is um, and asking herself these questions about who she is, what her interests are, and just kind of like diving deeper in, into that. So I think that like within this episode, I think she's asking herself so many questions and just kind of like allowing herself to see what might happen if she just like allows herself mm. to be her like in and that's in like standing up for herself e- even the small things even just like skating or just like having a conversation with Luce she's doing her best you know to just kind of like put together these pieces and and do it at 100% which she has never been able to do before and now she is finally like has this space to be able to do that my God, my heart. Well, this is going to make me feel terrible about saying what I'm about to say, because I consider Luz my personal mortal enemy. But <laughs> everything that you're saying, <laughs> everything that you're saying about Greta's relationship to her and the considerations is really beautiful. So that did melt my my cold heart just a little bit. Um, but again, forgive me for, for the, the question I'm about to ask and like what it, just what it's about to get into. Um I have to set it up because Luz asks to kiss Greta, cough, cough. Um, and there's this moment where Greta asserts what she wants without like putting it on to Luz like she kind of did with with Riley. And like what you're saying, that does feel like growth. And let's play that that clip, actually. So does that mean I can kiss you? Because I really want to. No. (laughs) No? No. Because why? Because I don't know you. See? You got some asshole in you. (laughs) Mess, mess, mess. Here we go. (laughs) More mess. I really thought that we were... (laughs) Really thought that we were in a place where we were gearing up to have complete resolution for Riley and Greta to work things out. Look, I love to stand love, no matter how it, you know, comes to be in most cases. I don't know how to feel about the fact that it's also kind of beginning to work with Luz, too. So from everyone in the class, like, why are y'all <laughs> messing with our hearts like this? Just everyone. I would love... Haley, I feel like you're the closest to us, so, like, probably you first, but... As the resident Griley Loreno, like, like <laughs> Stan, I just need this clarity for myself. Uh, oh, my gosh. Okay, fine. I'll go. <laughs> First of all, I think the important part of this interaction is seeing how Greta is standing up for herself in this moment. And she's not thinking about the future. She's very present in that moment. And she's like, this is what I want and I'm going to ask for it. So if somebody, regardless of who they are, if she's not comfortable in the situation, she's going to say no. And if she needs a ride home, she's going to ask for it. I saw this as a powerful moment for Greta, you know, and she's right now, she's in this comfort moment of like, I'm the most comfortable that I've been until like right, like right then and there. It's like Mm -hmm. you see it and it's only growing, you know. Yes, there's definitely things she's still uncomfortable with. 
but she's like definitely like taking these experiences and using them as growth. And that's what I saw this part as. And it, it doesn't, at least when I was um, filming this scene, it, it didn't matter if it was loose. It didn't matter if it was whoever, you know, it, it was like right now I'm going to take this moment to fully be myself in the best capacity that I can mm. work that and then be stronger in that from Greta's perspective. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Haley said. I definitely think that in that moment, Greta's kind of just thinking like, do I actually want to kiss this person? And the answer is no. And so she decides not to. And it's kind of that simple for her then. And I think before she would have questioned herself and been like, am I going to hurt this person's feelings? Like, I think she would have made herself small. And I think that Mm. in this moment, she's kind of just like, no, I don't want to kiss you. So I'm not going to. And you're going to give me a ride home. And it's just kind of her... (laughs) (laughs) letting herself like feel that power and um, not just do whatever like Luce wants. I think also too, I agree with what Zelda and Haley said. It's really well put. And I also think sometimes like when you meet your match, you know, Mm. that shit's deep and really complicated. And sometimes like that's what like the fuck boys of the world help serve is like sometimes you can like say your truth with someone who means less maybe than like that person that is just your heart and entire fucking soul you know and so I think like that's also a cool part of Luce in Greta's journey you know is just Mm. like giving her access to those parts that hopefully maybe will eventually show up with Riley but first Mm. like she's finding them in like a lower stakes situation with someone that like maybe it's not her twin flame or whatever, (laughs) you know? Let us pray. Yeah, we will see. We will see. I feel like this cast of characters spend so much time in cars or specifically in Chester's (laughs) car, in transit, having these deep conversations like as passengers climbing in like they're all stuffed in 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 these in in like transit i don't know if this is a metaphor i'm gay i can't drive i am a stereotype so i don't fully (laughs) get it i never had like that experience but like i watch it and like this feels so freeing this like it feels like a metaphor for something maybe i'm stretching here but can we talk about it yeah no i love that so much i mean i think that for me i definitely spent a lot of time in cars growing up in Southern California. And I think that that is kind of the reality of the world that they're growing up in. Just if you want to get somewhere, you kind of do have to drive, which sometimes is a bummer. Um, But sometimes is really fun because driving with friends and just like playing music and having these conversations while driving is like really, really fun sometimes. Um, And I think Chester also makes it fun. They all want to drive with Chester because he drives this really cool car and you know he has an amazing playlist. And I, I think that it kind of just is woven into their lives. Um, but it is, it is true. They do spend a lot of time, yeah, in Chester's car in particular. I feel like that's real though. I feel like when I, when I was in high school, I would spend like a lot of my free time in a car. Like I had a friend, the one friend who had a car, you know, and she had like this little Volkswagen Beetle and we didn't even have a place that we were going to go to. We would just drive and listen to music and and do these things. And that's just kind of how we spend our time. And also there was just like this freedom that we felt about having a car, you know, Mm. and having Mm -hmm. this place to go, even if it was nowhere. And that just set up kind of like the vibe and kind of like brought us all together because 
you know, of having this car and having this freedom. Yeah, I think it's such a big part of so many people's teenage experience because it's that first space that feels like it belongs to you in a way. Like mm. you're the first place that you're completely insulated and sort of autonomous. Like you can play your music as loud as you want in theory. You know, you can smoke in there. You can fuck in there. Like, you know, like <laughs> the cars is sort of like little, you know, own before universe. you get your own. Yeah. Before you get your own dorm room or your own apartment or whatever, like, you know, it's like the beta test of like your independence. <laughs> like your totally. first time. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, like, I, that's so that's so real. Just I, I remember like learning how to drive. I was so scared at first because I was convinced that I would get into accidents all the time. I remember once I actually had my license and once I could actually just drive, it was like very, very freeing. And my dad always told me while I was like working on getting my license and like studying for the test and practicing, he was like, you're going to be really happy once you like have a license and can just drive. It's just like learning how can sometimes be scary. And I did not believe him, and he was right. This is aspirational. I really don't know how to drive. In fact, <laughs> don't sue me bird scooters. I did crash a bird scooter just yesterday. So, Gee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome to LA. <laughs> I'm also gay, and I can drive, but I cannot cook or do math, which are like the other two. Oh, so. my God. I can't do two, any yeah. of these things. Wait. <laughs> math is a gay thing? Cooking is a not gay being thing? able, not being able no, to not do being math. Able to. It's like no, no, no. Oh. It's like it's like there's three things. It's like driving, cooking, and doing math. And it's like gays pick one. It's like you can only do ah. one of them if you're gay. Mine is oh. driving. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. same. I haven't picked mine same. yet. <laughs> oh wow, this is Gigi's working. This is on like it. my second coming out, I guess. Wow. <laughs> We're talking about episode 10 of the HBO Max series, Generation. And we're going to get into a lot more after a quick break. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We're talking to Generation creator Zelda Barnes, series writer Christina Nieves, and Haley Sanchez, who stars as Greta. This whole episode kind of revolves around second chances with Riley and Greta, with Chester and Bo, and with Luz and Greta as well, um, given their history. I guess kind of shifting gears just a little bit, Chester even seems to be taking a chance on Nathan by letting him keep his boyfriend charade up, which is... Questionable. <laughs> it's it's questionable, isn't it? Like, it's it's really hard to watch at some points because you know you can sense exactly how Nathan feels towards Chester, and you know that Chester knows that as well, but somehow they're both okay with it just being this elephant in the room. So um, I, I guess just for everyone in the classroom, like Wembley said, um, <laughs> why, why explore this, this theme of second chances now? Yeah, I, I just think like so much has happened, but so much still needs to be unpacked so much was yeah. you know interrupted so much was unfulfilled or left with a question mark or left with an ellipsis feeling you know so naturally so many of these these stories and these friendships and these couples are going to have that like chapter two moment, you know, of like, what, Mm -hmm. what now, what's the 2.0 of this? Like, where is this going to go? You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's a natural 
like next step, just storytelling wise of like, okay, you set up, you set up step one of kind of the initial meet cute of all of these different couples and friendships and like, okay, now what? Which was the fun part of this part of the season and writing this episode was the asking that question of the, okay, we like positioned all these characters in this, in these places, such an exciting jumping off point, such a heartbreaking jumping off point, whatever, all their different yeah. situations and what now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's such a like first love thing too, which was such a, another big theme of the episode, which it sounds like everyone was feeling the like sweaty pheromone of it all <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, was very much a part of the episode too. And I think like goes hand in hand with like second chance and, and believing like never giving up on love, you know, sort of <laughs> just like glutton. You're going to keep coming back for more. Mm. Right. Mm. I feel like a lot of the characters are just like very open, honest, and loving characters and are very willing to give a second chance. And I think at this point, especially at the end of the last half of the season, there was a lot of things that people almost, like characters felt like they wouldn't be given a second chance. But Mm. because of the people that they're surrounded by, they have this opportunity to have that given to them because of kind of like the point that we left off on. It's kind of flowing into that second chance period because of all of these characters you know want the other characters to succeed Mm. just like in life and with their decisions I love that and I think it's so true of the high school like not to be like when I was in high school but like (laughs) you know that I think it's such a cool part of storytelling of this time in our lives because I just that just feels so fucking 18 to me of just like You know, (laughs) like you're just always hopeful that the shit's going to work out. And, you know, you're not like life hasn't beat you up yet to the point that you're like, this will never work, you know? (laughs) 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 Like you're still got that like part of your heart that's open, like Haley's saying, you know, that that you want to, you want to believe in the good. There's so much optimism in, in that. Even if it's like an irreverent optimism, like at the heart of it, there's so much like hopefulness i think a lot of coming of age can be described as like the (laughs) yearning for second chances to like you know Mm. make up for maybe you know what you learned (sighs) usually after heartbreak but zelda i didn't want i don't want to cut you off in case you had a you know a strong feeling about the gift that is a a second chance yeah no definitely i mean i think that up until this point, um, there hasn't been a lot of finality in any of these, like, love storylines. Like, there hasn't been a lot of finality even between Nathan and Chester because Chester, like, his response to the voicemail wasn't really very strong response. Mm. And he yeah. was kind of just like, oh, yeah, it was funny. It's fine. Like, we're all good. And he does say to Nathan, like, it's never going to be like that for us. But to Nathan, because he's so into Chester, doesn't quite feel like a firm rejection. And um, he does say, like, I want to be friends with you. And he agrees to fake date Nathan. So I think a little piece of Nathan is like, maybe there's hope. Um, And also, you know, Riley never really got like an explanation for Greta's like nervous moment in the motel. Yeah, I think there have been a lot of these moments where characters didn't really ever get closure or any kind of like end to the person they had a crush on, really. So a lot of those are still kind of dragging on and they're all kind of trying to figure out how to make it work. I wonder that like when I watch especially Nathan and Chester, I find myself thinking 
at what point does this become, maybe it already is toxic, but at what point does this become toxic? Because I, I do think in the search for a second chance or even closure or a definition of some sort, like, I think you can actually do a lot of harm, you know, emotional harm yeah. to yourself. And and obviously I think all of, all of the characters are in like really vulnerable places, um, understandably so in their lives. And, and that's something that I am kind of watching, you know, with my guard up a little bit for them. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think that that dynamic is already a bit toxic just because Chester does know how Nathan feels. Chester got a voicemail where Nathan like confessed his love and he's agreeing to yeah. pretend to date Nathan. And I think it is just like Chester's kind of doing it because he likes the attention a little bit. And um, I think Nathan's doing it because he likes at least getting to pretend that Chester like has feelings yeah. for him. Um, and I definitely think that that's kind of toxic for both of them because it isn't really real. And I think that they'll both need to sort of work through that in their own ways. Can I ask something? Yes. Um, is Chester a Gemini? <laughs> G-G. Chester's a Scorpio. Oh, <laughs> okay. Actually, you know what? You listen. know what? That, that makes way more sense. Come through, Gigi, but we haven't looked at the full chart. Okay. 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 So his his rising is is definitely somewhere up there. I actually, were you? Did you guys like think about that with the characters, like what their astrological signs are? We and need like, to dedicate oh, the entire episode. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So actually, <laughs> so actually, at first, um, fun little anecdote. At first, Chester was a Leo, and just. Justice is a Leo. And we talked to Justice about it. Justice asked what Chester's astrological sign was, and we said Leo. Justice <laughs> was like, no, he feels more like a Scorpio to me. And so we changed it because Justice knows more about astrology than any of us. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the story of how Chester became a Scorpio. Um, but I agree. I think I think that's the right sign for Chester. That's so funny. What is Greta's okay, sign? Okay, anyways. <laughs> no, I have to know what Greta's sign is. I have it in a file somewhere. I can Okay, top secret. <laughs> Top secret document. Top secret file. Yeah. 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 Let me know. But I, w- going off of everything we we're just talking about, Christina, I feel like you have to play a role of like keeper of the keys in terms of like tying all of these tendons of potential. Is it toxic? Is it not? Is it full of budding romance? Whatever. What are you all considering when shaping what ultimately will be big, big future implications for all of these like very, again, vulnerable <laughs> folks? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this episode was such a joy to work on because it just felt like this was the chapter where we got to really dive deeper into the like chaotic, frenetic, heartbreaking, Mm. full love of it all, (laughs) you know, and the whole time in the room, I was team love. I think it was like a team of like two. It was like me and Daniel versus the world. Like everyone else was like, <laughs> no, it don't work out. It never works out. And I was like, it has to work out. So I think that's why I ended up getting this episode because they were like, this optimistic Sagittarius ass bitch will write this. You, you, <laughs> um, but <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, I think giving all of these characters the chance to like everyone has said so beautifully like dive deeper into their truth into what they really want into the second chance of it all you know we talked a lot about it being sort of an apex of of like good feeling in in everybody's own way whether it's like Riley just being around 
a family that dynamic that she's never experienced before or mm. Nathan being in the delusion of a love that he's never actually going to probably experience or mm. you know <laughs> damn Greta getting to like be Ouch. in her body and be present and yeah everyone is kind of like at the peak of something and then as mm. we all know of, of course that's not a sustainable like point so it's like where do we go from there we will see I do want to touch on the interesting duality of, uh, I guess, the more technical side of these scenes, because when I think of something that could be portrayed in a very beautiful way with lighting and sound and music and and just kind of like, I guess, vibes and ambiance, the roller rink really should have been the perfect date. Like, you did such a good job of making this seemingly amazing, vibey date place seem so awkward and uncomfortable but then you made a literal ralph's grocery store seem like the most romantic place on earth like uh, how what i I just want to know how that was pulled off visually and and i guess sonically audially yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i mean it's funny like sometimes that really is how it goes sometimes the places that you think are going to be so magical are actually just the way that plays out is just kind of awkward and sometimes places that aren't meant to inspire a connection do um and so we just kind of wanted to yeah we wanted to show that even though chester is somebody who puts so much effort into like thinking about dates and thinking about romance and how to make it perfect what actually sometimes winds up being like the best part of the night is like the spontaneity and the just kind of like letting himself be himself and have fun um and not stress about what's perfect and i think that with the with the roller rink date he was putting too much pressure on himself to like have a good time with bo and make sure bo was having a good time and in a grocery store i think he was a little bit more relaxed and not as stressed um and i think he just kind of decided to let himself connect with this person in a really strange setting they always say if you can have a good date in a grocery store with someone that's when you not even date but like how you interact with somebody in a grocery store kind of tells you how the relationship's going to go maybe that's more of a testament for like the 30 something crowd but i feel like it does still (laughs) apply here like, if you can laugh in the canned goods aisle, like with someone, like, <laughs> sign of future success, probably. I'm sure Christina remembers this, too, but we were also in the writer's room having all these conversations about um, how some, like, Gelson's and some other big chain grocery stores will have, like, uh, like bars and, like, live music playing sometimes. And we were just kind of, like, laughing about that and talking about that and thinking, like, would Megan and Mark ever go to, like, a wine bar in a grocery oh store God. and, like, have that <laughs> date? Um, and we, we just loved that idea so much. Yeah, of course. Um, and we were trying to kind of incorporate this idea of, like this kind of like fancy high-end moment into like people literally shopping for like milk. Um, And so, yeah, we were just having all these conversations (laughs) about how to work that in. And um, that was, that was one of the ways that we figured out how to do it. We just kept being like, what is just the antithesis of how things happened in the last date? Like just what are the polar opposite things that, you know, to make these two experiences like night and day, you know, what, whether it's the location, you know, their plans going to shit in the best way and the tone, you know, the conversation just from the moment that they see each other. And, you know, Chester has that moment of I can choose to be my like normal, 
autopilot. I run the show. I'm going to produce this moment, bitch, or I'm going to crack myself open and be vulnerable and just admit I'm nervous and start from that place. And he chooses to like start from that place. And I think that's why the night, you know, takes Hmm. the shape that it, you know, ultimately does. Well, it sounds like we've come to the end of our drive. Listen, this has been a lovely conversation about relationships and family and cars in relation to themes. But I think it's about time to wrap up this conversation. Unfortunately, it's been so, so nice talking to you all. Zelda, thank you so much again for being here as always. We love you. Christina, so nice to have you here. And Haley. We are here every week giving you the exclusive takes and deep dives into the making of your favorite television program, So subscribe and join us. And thank you all again for being here. Generation the Podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by us, Gigi Good and Wembley Sewell. The podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Unter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Generation.